Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. A big thank you to you for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, I've gone with the Q&A style um, for this week's solo chat on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, put up a story to my Instagram the other day uh, to get some some questions from you guys and I'm going to do my best to answer them today and just keep in mind this is just my opinion, the answers of all these questions but I do really enjoy um, doing these Q&As, it's fun for me, um, I, I like this style where I can go through and make sure that I'm adding value to everyone who has sent through questions and now keep in mind I, I, uh, I won't have time to answer every single question but as always I'll do another episode at some point where we can, can touch on um, the ones that I miss out on today. But thank you to everyone who sent in some questions. Um, as I said, I think there's going to be a lot of value uh, in today's show. So if you find some value from this podcast, I would love it if you could take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram story for me. Tag myself uh, and uh, and I'd love to get your feedback just to hear what you guys think of this style of episode and if I've been able to answer your question as well. Um, that'd be fantastic. So before we get stuck into today's show, I wanted to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast for today's episode, and that is Athletican. You guys have heard me talk about Athletican before, um, Australia's biggest hype sneaker label. Um, they're producing some epic shoes. They're, they're building an awesome community, and they're a company that I truly believe in. Um, you guys can use the code DK15 at checkout on the Athletican site and get a discount um, on any of the shoes or, or apparel that you like. But a big thank you to the team down at Athletican for supporting the show. Um, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the support from absolutely everybody, um, the listeners, but also the sponsors of the show as well. And as you know, I don't really promote any anyone or anything that I don't truly believe in, but Athletican are definitely uh, a company that I truly believe in. I've been with them since day one. Um, and it's been epic to see their growth. So a big thank you to Athletican. Um, now let's get uh, let's get stuck into today's episode. Okay, so the first question I'm gonna I'm gonna answer is: When eating in a, a calorie deficit, um, can you go too low with calorie cycling? So then you can allow yourself to eat more or have a few drinks on the weekend. So just to clarify what this question really means, it's someone's asking the question of you know if they're aiming for roughly let's say 2,000 calories per day on average over seven days to be in a calorie deficit, can they reduce their calories super low for say five to six days and add all those back on on the sixth or seventh day or, or both um, to make sure that total calorie intake is the same for the week but they're cycling it in a way where they can still have a social life and still do fun things and all that type of stuff. Now, I highly recommend this for anybody who's in a calorie deficit. It's something that I do. I find it super beneficial um, it makes things a lot more sustainable and enjoyable. Training stays better. Mentally, it's great to have something to look forward to. But the question here is, can you go too low with your low days? So specifically, the question asked is 1,000 calories too low. Now, here's how I look at it. One of the biggest problems that I think a lot of people have with nutrition is not necessarily eating too much, particularly if they're trying to lose fat. It's not eating enough. It's going way too low. Now, the problem with that over time is we have what's called metabolic adaptation. So if you're eating a very low calorie intake for an extended period of time, then your body starts to get used to it. Your metabolism starts to drop off and suffer. It makes it very hard to continue to lose fat. It makes it very hard for your metabolism to be at a healthy rate or a healthy point. Um, 
and hormonally it can have a big can have big implications as well. So, look, I don't think there's too too low um, for calorie cycling, assuming that you're only doing it for a short period of time. All I would say to everybody listening, if you're eating in a calorie deficit at any point in time, make sure you're not in too far of a de- deficit to the point where you think you know less the less food the better, because it's just not the case. Um, we need to start to think of our body like a race car. I've said this before, or like a machine. Like we need to be fueling our body. Uh, effectively to be able to perform at our best, recover at our best, um, function at our best, and then also just to enjoy life as well. But in saying that, calorie cycling is a f- cycling is a fantastic way to uh, sustain a calorie deficit over an extended period of time, see awesome results, and not give up your social life because that's what I'm all about. You know, the clients that I work with in person and online. One of my main priorities is making sure that they're able to continue to live the life that they enjoy and that their nutrition and training should work around their lifestyle and not the opposite way around. And that's a that's a big issue, I think, for a lot of people. And I, I touched on this last week, is that a lot of people are trying to fit their lifestyle around their training and, and their food, and that just not gonna, that's not going to last. Okay, There may be certain periods of time where you need to do that, particularly if you're an athlete or a professional, but for most people, you don't need to change your whole lifestyle just to get lean. That's absolutely ridiculous. And if you're working with someone or you're reading some information that tells you otherwise... I think it might be time to, to suss something else out because that's just not the case. But to answer that question, 1,000 calories a day uh, is not ideal. It is very, very low. It's not much calories at all, not much energy, but if it's for a very short period of time, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Next question is how to implement habits um, for anyone who is super inconsistent with their training, nutrition, or working towards the health and fitness goals. And this is just so common. It's a question that I could answer on every single show and I think it's going to add value to someone but habits this is this is in a nutshell how I look at habits right again the mistake a lot of people make is trying to do everything at once trying to change everything at once trying to make everything perfect and it's not going to happen you need to start very small okay so let's just use the example of fat loss and I'm, say I'm right at my starting point I'm doing nothing towards losing fat at the moment but I want to so next week what I'm not going to do is going to a severe calorie deficit, train six to seven days a week, do a heap of cardio, start using all these supplements, um, quit alcohol, do all this type of stuff all in the one go because it's not going to last, okay? And it's going to suck and everyone who's listening who's tried that before will understand me. But what I can do is just take very small steps one at a time and start to compound those habits, those steps over time to the point where they don't feel hard. They, they become a habit. They become part of your daily routine they become part of who you are so next week you know the first step for me may be choosing nutrient dense whole food options for the week okay not even counting calories just tracking just making sure sorry that i make smarter food choices the second week i I keep that first habit and then i add another one so the next week it might be all right today i'm going to aim for x amount of liters of water so it might be three to four liters of water Tick that off every single day. So now we've got two habits and we keep adding them on. The next week it might be make sure I get to the to the gym at least three times this week. And then we add that habit. And then over time, these these habits, these tasks that seem daunting or scary or or difficult for you initially become super easy because they, they you don't even think about them anymore. That's just you're just adding tools to the toolkit. You're adding momentum and you're compounding these habits over time to the point where you don't even need to think about it any anymore. So I think patience is definitely the key. Um, you need to be patient when trying to, to build new habits. It doesn't happen overnight. It's just, it's just not going to, regardless of how motivated you are, how inspired you are. Um, 
motivation is fleeting. It doesn't hang around. You're not always going to be motivated. But if you build these habits, if they become part of who you are, they become part of your daily process, your non-negotiables, your routine, it's easy. I promise you it's easy. You just got to take it one step at a time. Honestly, just one small thing each and every week. And once you nail it, we add more and more and more until we're doing all the things you need to do, until we're eating in a calorie deficit, until we're training uh, in an effective way the amount of times per week that we want to, until we're sleeping enough each night and drinking enough water and and subconsciously making all these decisions that we don't even think about anymore. So that's my advice for inconsistent people. Um, and of course, as well as that, just keeping accountable towards yourself and making sure that you're, you're writing down your, your goals every single day. You're revisiting your long-term goal. You're, you're putting in actionable steps and reverse engineering how you're going to achieve those goals to give you the stepping blocks to achieve the, the major overall goal. And then that's going to help you be consistent. Because if I set a goal now and I don't revisit that again for six, 12 months, let's be honest, the likelihood of that happening and, and implementing it and keeping it going is, is extremely low. Whereas if I'm looking at those goals every single day, you know, even right now I'm recording this podcast and um, I've got my journal open. Every single morning I journal. I don't, I don't like write a fucking novel or anything, but I go in, um, you know, specifically I write down my to-do list for the day. I write down my appointments for the day. I, I kind of write down what tasks that tasks, sorry, that I want to um, complete. Write down what I'm grateful for, my goal for that day, and then also the person that I want to be that day as well. So every day I'm aware of that, and at night time I revisit that <laughs> and do a bit of, of a nightly review. But that's what leads to consistency. It's not trying to make change all at once. Up next, uh. How, what was my introduction or experience um, or how did I get my experience and introduction to the health and fitness industry? So this is a bit more specific to me, I guess. And it's a good question. Like for those of you that don't know my story, like I I, uh, I grew up playing football and basketball, was obsessed with both of those, was obsessed with being physically fit, um, extremely driven and, and always took fitness seriously and saw that as one of my stronger points. And something that I could control, I knew that even if I didn't have the talent, that I could work, I could outwork everyone. Um, and that was something that was in my control. So, um, you know, I started, I got in the gym at about 15 or 16, um, was, did, made all the mistakes, uh, but quickly became obsessed with health and fitness. And from there, look, like my experience and my introduction to the industry, I, I studied um, to become a personal trainer or a qualified trainer while I was in year 12. I did it separate to school. I just did it online over 12 months, um, not really knowing what I was going to do with it, but obviously it um, seems to have worked out okay. Um, but so that was the experience I had early on. And then, I, like I said, I was obsessed, like reading, watching videos, going to seminars, um, asking questions, trying to find out as much as I possibly could about training, nutrition, everything along those lines to to master my craft, to learn my craft. And at this stage, it wasn't even to help others, to be honest. Like it was for selfish reasons and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to be selfish in um, this respect, but I was trying to better myself and I did. I increased my confidence. I um, obviously physically got a lot bigger and stronger, um, improved athletically and I really, really started to feel happy and enjoy myself and then the experience from there is I started working in a gym, um, just on the gym floor, which like a lot of people do, started to talk to members, write programs. I moved to Melbourne for basketball full-time and then I uh, 
I continue to do more study. I, I, I asked a lot of questions of my strength coach who had a lot of experience in the industry when I was playing basketball still. Um, I, uh, I started reaching out to certain people. I started my podcast, meeting and networking with people. Um, and then, look, it's about continually upskilling. It's, it's, uh, it's networking. Networking, I think, is such a big thing, like trying to create relationships with people and, and, and add value to others in return for their advice or, or in return for just building that relationship but not expecting anything back from other people. It's really important. So initially I would kind of take every opportunity I could. I would help people out for free. I would I would do things to suit, not to suit others, but I would work around other people just to get the experience that I wanted and I knew I needed in the industry to find out what my niche was in the health and fitness industry, to build relationships, to, you know, it's, it's simple things like reaching out to people on social media or emailing them and asking them questions or asking if you can add value in return to meet them in person and stuff like that. It's training people for free. It's going to seminars it's it's joining private groups on facebook that are in your industry and and learning more things and and becoming familiar with other people i'll give you a, a really good example early days i uh um i started my youtube channel i was vlogging a lot and you know i still do a little bit of it now but not much um but a good friend of mine now, Austin Current, he had a, a YouTube channel as well. And we kind of just met each other through YouTube. Like he lives in the States and we caught up. We Sorry, we touched base a lot online. Um, eventually he was in Australia. He came and stayed with me. We, we trained together. We've podcasted on numerous occasions. If you haven't heard his episodes, go back and have a listen. But these are just relationships that I built through reaching out to people, trying to understand his knowledge, trying to, to learn from him, trying to learn from as many people as I can. And then not being afraid to be rejected. There's so many, so many people now. This is the thing, right? I, uh, I see this all the time. I think the reason why a lot of people don't get what they want is because they don't ask. There's way too many people out there that are fearing rejection, fearing failure, worrying about what other people think of them, worrying about what happens if someone says no. And I've used this example before, uh, and I'll say it again. If you're not doing something or you're not reaching out to someone or you're scared to ask because of your fearing failure or rejection, the the outcome, if you do get rejected or if you do fail, is already a reality for you, right? So if someone listening to this right now wants to reach out to me and ask me a question, but they're scared that I'll say no, they want to reach out and, and or they want to reach out and come in for a, a training session, okay? But they're worried about me saying no. If they don't ask, then the, the reality has already happened. You're not going to get the session. So what's the worst that can happen? You're already in that position already if that makes sense. Like so many people are missing out because they are fearing failure and rejection. And I just don't have that anymore. I got, I got rejected so much when I was younger as a junior athlete in basketball, football, even like I just failed so many times, so, so many times, which was devastating at the time. It fucking killed me, but it's helped build me into the person I am today. Like to the point where I don't give a fuck if I fail, I don't care if I get rejected. I'm going to keep coming back over and over again. I know what I want to achieve and I will do whatever it takes to get that. Even if it doesn't go the way that I planned it to, even if it doesn't work out in the way that I'd hoped it would, I know that if I keep working, um, if I keep reaching out and taking risks and, and putting myself out there, things are going to happen. So that's a really, 
really long answer to a very simple question, but that's how I got my experience and, and I was very fortunate to meet some great people and I just keep, to this day, keep putting myself in uncomfortable positions to try and get an outcome or try and get a an, an opportunity or build a relationship and a friendship or network with people that I otherwise wouldn't. Um, and that's what it takes. You've got to keep learning, keep putting yourself out there and getting uncomfortable and that's that's how you're going to see results. That's how you're going to to level up and that is my goal every day is to level up yeah um it's just it's doing what's necessary doing the small things exceptionally well that's that's what you need to do all right guys moving on sorry that as i said that was a long answer um this question here if you if you hear some snoring it's not me by the way clearly i'm, I'm recording a podcast but it's russ my little kelpie he's um he's out cold laying next to me he decides to make as much noise as possible anytime i need to record a podcast which is fantastic um so how do you deal the next question how do you deal with fluctuations in weight and binge eating the first step in this process is is understanding or reverse engineering why you're having these well let's let's talk about binge eating first why are you binge eating there's always a reason why it's not just because you you woke up one day and decided that you were just going to binge it's it's typically uh, an emotional response to to a sim- stimulus, right? So it's you're feeling upset or or frustrated, so you turn to food. Okay, that's your coping mechanism or whatever it may be. Or um, you, you starve yourself, you go way too low in calories, and that leads to you binge eating. Um, you deprive yourself from certain foods, and then you see that food, and then you you binge eat. It's it's always there's always a reason. You need to figure out that reason, and then you need to make some changes to that. If it's not working, then you got to stop doing. It. You can't do the same thing over and over again, and expect a different result. So it's always there's always a reason why. It's reverse engineering why that's happening. It's getting a, a better understanding as to why the binge eating is happening, and trying to get it under control. Usually, there is you know that's the thing. You got to find figure out what the problem is and find the solution. That's the best thing about life in general, to be honest, but particularly business and health and fitness. And that's why it's important to have measurable progress and to do things that are able to be tracked, such as your calorie intake and your, your training and sleep and water intake. If something's not working, it's like a little mass equation. We need to figure out why it's not working and manipulate or make changes to allow it to work. Um, so, so that's the first thing in regards to binge eating. Now, fluctuation in weight. This is something that everyone needs to understand. Your weight can, you know, be up or down depending on on, you know, a number of different factors, plus or minus 3 kilograms, up to 3 kilograms in fluctuation just from water weight. Okay? So Firstly, if you are weighing yourself, um, I think it's just an absolute no-brainer to be doing it every single if you if this is what you want to do, if you're wanting to know the number on the scales, weighing yourself every single day on an empty stomach under the same conditions first thing in the morning, okay? Over seven days and taking a weekly average because there's no, there's absolutely zero point. And this is what fucking frustrates me so much. People will go and weigh themselves in the middle of the day on some random day after they've fucking had breakfast, lunch, whatever, barely drank any water or maybe had a lot, to, a lot of water, haven't trained or maybe they've just trained. The reading that comes up on the scales is not accurate. It's not accurate if that, if you're using that as an indicator of progress or, or where you're at. That's just not the case. So it's extremely important for you to to be doing this in a smart way. So taking a weekly average is the first thing. If your weight's still fluctuating, it's time to look at, you know, what are your sodium levels doing? There's nothing wrong with sodium. There's nothing wrong with having sodium in your diet, but 
where you might start to have some issues or or, or um, some some troubles is when your your sodium levels fluctuate way too much. So one day they're really low, the next day they're really high, and it's all over the place. And then your water levels, the amount of water your body's holding on to, is going to be all over the place as well. So dealing with fluctuations, firstly, figure out whether you even want to weigh yourself because it's important to understand that the number on the scales means fuck all to pretty much anyone other than you maybe. Um, if you've got a lot of weight to lose, then I think it can be very beneficial to make sure the trend is heading in the right direction, so a downwards trend. If you're trying to gain weight, then it's obviously important to keep track of what your weight is to know whether or not you're even eating enough and you're in a calorie surplus. But fluctuations will happen. It's You can't be emotionally attached to the number on the scales, and that's what fucks so many people up, okay? I'll have clients who come to me and say, you know, this week I tracked all my macros. I did exceptionally well with that. Drank enough water every day. I smashed my training. I feel amazing. You know, someone at work complimented me. My clothes fit great. I look awesome in the mirror. But the number on the scales didn't move or it went up. What should we change next week? And I'm sitting here like, fucking what? You just got to put things into perspective. If everything's working, if you feel great, you look great, you're seeing progress and you feel like you're on track, chances are you are. Okay, so that number on the scale should not determine how you feel or what actions you take. So if your your weight fluctuates a little bit and it's not exactly what you want it to be or it's not what you expected, the worst thing you can do is just fucking change everything completely. You just drop your calories, change your training, all this type of stuff because you're you're reacting. It's just a reaction to a stimulus that doesn't need to happen. Um, so the fluctuations there, it, it can be hard mentally, but just detach yourself from the number on the scales. Okay, have some other measurable factors that you can you can track throughout your fat loss or muscle growth um, period and start to look at those and rely on those a little bit more than just the number on the scales. Um, I know it can be difficult but and it's not going to happen overnight, but they're, they're the steps you need to start taking to see that progress. Um, all right, guys, next question here is how do I go from skinny to big? <laughs> And I like this question um, for a number of reasons. One, because it's it's typically the questions that I answer and that I get asked a lot is obviously uh, revolves around fat loss and people wanting to lose weight. But it's great to have these questions on on muscle gain and weight gain because look, I was in that boat and to an extent I still am. Um, you know, growing up, uh, to give you an idea, uh, when I moved to Melbourne, so I moved here at eighteen years old, um, and I moved here at eighteen. Uh, I was the exact same height as what I am currently, and I was 26 kilos lighter. Yes, you fucking heard that correctly. 26 kilos lighter than what I am right now. Um, I was fucking skinny, obviously. <laughs> uh, on a windy day, I had to wear heavy shoes so I didn't blow away. But going from skinny to big, look, the, the best part about this answer is that it's nothing really changes um, in comparison to a fat loss phase. It's just... You just need to manipulate your calories in a different way. So I think some really important things to keep in mind when you're trying to, to gain size, to gain muscle mass and grow. First thing, you need to be in a calorie uh, surplus, so meaning that you're consuming more calories than you're burning. That's just mathematically, scientifically um, how it works. If you're, you're, you're taking in more calories than you're burning, then you will gain weight over an extended period of time if you're consistent with it. Then it's the, a matter of making sure it's just enough of a surplus to make sure you're gaining muscle and not too much unnecessary fat. Um, and again, this is a problem. This is, is, is a problem. People don't want to do the hard work. So it, it's, I know people think that fat loss is hard, but muscle gain and gaining weight for some people can be fucking heaps harder. It was for me. 
the hard part is you feel like you're eating so much and you probably are and you're not gaining weight. Well, unfortunately, the answer to that is you need to eat more. Even if you feel like you can't eat more, you need to get more calories in because you're clearly burning too much or reduce the amount of of, uh, energy you're expending to make sure you are actually in a surplus because a lot of the time people just aren't in surpluses. And that's just the... That's the only reason why they're not gaining weight is because they're not in a surplus. Even if they fucking they're eating a lot of food, it's clearly not enough. You need to eat more. That's the first thing. Second thing, you need to be overloading your training. Progressive overload is the key over time. And I've talked about this so many times. If you don't know what it is, go back and have a listen to one of my episodes on progressive overload. But eating in a calorie surplus, progressively overloading your training, okay, getting stronger over time, lifting more weight, doing more volume and, and, and more work over time. Supplementation can be a great thing. Creatine monohydrate. Um, I use five grams every single day. It's one of the most proven supplements out there. Um, you know, for anyone who is in the market for supplements, you can use my code DJK10 on the EHP Labs website worldwide um, and get a ten percent discount. Right, but five grams of creatine every single day. With you don't need to cycle it on and off. I just consistently have five grams a day using a protein supplement to help me reach my calorie intake and reach reach my protein intake you may look at using a supplement such as branch chain amino acids or like a glutamine to help with recovery there's plenty of things that we can do there in the supplement space uh, once your training and nutrition is taken care of obviously that's the most important thing the next thing is recovery if you're training way too much you're not giving yourself enough time to recover and grow you won't okay so you don't grow in the gym you grow out of it people think that the work that they're growing while they're at the gym you're not you're breaking your muscles down while you're in the gym the growth happens outside of it. So allowing time for recovery, making sure you're taking care of your mobility and your 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 muscles. So doing things like foam rolling or maybe going to see a myotherapist or, or remedial therapist to help work through muscle tissue tightness and fascia tightness. Um, and, and then obviously like sleep and hydration. There's a number of factors that come into play. So when you look at it in a big picture, it's very much the same as fat loss. The only difference is the calorie intake, okay? So now we're taking in more calories than we're burning. And it takes time. It takes a lot longer to gain muscle mass than it does to lose body fat. So you need to be consistent. You need to be patient. Um, and then just do the small things exceptionally well, like we talked about. Build those habits. Build them up to the point where they become part of your day. They become part of who you are. And make sure it's measurable. You've got to track your progress over time. All righty. Um, a question in regards to the keep it cleaner workout. So obviously, um, for those of you that don't know, I'm the, the, the master trainer um, at Keep It Cleaner on their app. Um, fantastic program. Love working with the girls, Laura and Steph, um, and the rest of the team. Uh, and I've obviously programmed all the sessions inside of, of that program. And the question here is, is whether or not it's enough, the programming is enough for strength gain um, doing the Keep It Cleaner workouts. Now, if you have access to equipment that's going to allow you to overload over time, 100% the, the Keep It Cleaner program is enough for you to gain muscle and strength. But you've got to keep in mind that they are shorter workouts. If your goal is strength and muscle gain, then you, you need to be overloading. So it may require you to follow a, a program outside of Keep It Cleaner to make sure you can do that and achieve that. Um, if you don't have access to much equipment, it's going to be very hard to overload and, pro- and progressively get stronger and bigger over time um, or to build that strength and muscle mass. So there are a few factors that come into play, but the way I've programmed it is definitely in a way where um, particularly as a newbie or or someone that has access to you know enough weight so that they can overload, you will see a significant um, 
improvements and changes in strength um, and muscle mass as well. Um, and again, that doesn't mean you're going to get big and bulky. We could do a whole podcast episode on this, but um, the only way you're going to get, you know, quote unquote, big and bulky is if you eat way too many calories for a very long period of time. So everyone should be aiming to build lean muscle mass, you know, male or female, dog, cat, whatever. You want to try and gain lean muscle mass. The more lean muscle mass your body holds, the easier it is to lose body fat, okay? The harder your body is working just to maintain it, its 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 weight. So you are able to get away with eating more. The whole process, uh, it becomes a lot easier. And also, you know, performance-wise, your strength, your balance, your um your durability, the reducing the risk of injury, increased performance, all these things come into play. So it's, it's an absolute must, um, not only for females, but obviously males as well. Uh, is running on the treadmill a good thing um, if you're trying to improve your running? Now, I'm no expert on treadmills or anything like that. I'm obviously not a running coach, but I've done an absurd amount of running in my time. Um, I absolutely love it uh, and, and it's something that I get a lot of enjoyment out of. Now, um, I would say that the the treadmill, in my opinion, is I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I I personally just don't enjoy it that much. I know a lot of people love the treadmill. That's fine. I'm not saying not to do it. Like go for your life. But thing to keep in mind is that the belt on the treadmill is moving by itself, okay, or by the machine. You are not moving the belt. So the hamstring engagement, or the hamstring activation, is actually a lot lower. Um, than when you're running outside. You're not needing to use your hammies and glutes to propel your body forward and move it forward. You're literally just trying to keep up with the treadmill so you don't fucking fall off the back and look like an idiot. So in my opinion, I don't really like it that much. Um, I'd prefer to either run outside or even using like a form runner where you're all moving the belt yourself, even with very, very, very minimal resistance. It still makes you use your hammies and glutes properly. Also promotes a much better running technique and running style, in my opinion, compared to... Um, compared to regular treadmills um so that's that's my opinion but again each their own if you enjoy running on the treadmill go for it i'm not telling you to not do it but um in my opinion i just haven't ever really liked it and i think you're not going to get the same benefit to running um outside or you know on an indoor track or wherever but like actually propelling your body forward with your own muscles and not just trying to keep up with the machine um, we've got, I've got two more, two more questions here that I want to answer before I wrap up guys. Um, I want to, don't want to make this episode too long. Uh, the next one here is, should you still be aiming or, or striving for progressive overload while in, you're in a calorie deficit, while you're in a calorie deficit? Sorry. Um, I think here's, here's, here's my answer. So initially when you're in a small calorie deficit, yes, 100% you should be still striving for progressive overload. I think to an extent, the whole way through a calorie deficit, a fat loss phase, should you should still be aiming for progressive overload because if you're not, not only physically are you not going to be making as many improvements, but mentally, like what are you going in there for just to do the same thing and expect a different result? It just doesn't work like that. I often use the example of something like a, a spin class. You see the people that go do spin classes at a, at a gym multiple times per week. And this doesn't apply for everyone, but a lot of the time you see people that their body shape doesn't change that much, okay? What happens is their body adapts to this. So someone like myself, I go in and do a spin class a day, I'd be fucked. I would I would struggle massively because I don't do it often. I don't ride, I don't cycle often at all. Whereas someone else who may physically and you know visibly look way out of shape compared to me may cruise through that session because they do it 
consistently. Their body has been able to adapt. It's like running uh, 3K every single day at the same pace on the same track. Um, you're going to get to a point where you stop improving because you, your body is used to it. Your body is able to adapt quick enough to the point where it becomes comfortable. So again, getting uncomfortable, stepping outside of your comfort zone and giving your body a reason to change. But something to keep in mind when you're in a calorie deficit is that as your body fat gets lower and lower, the, in, the, the chance or the risk of injury becomes higher because you have less body fat protecting your muscles and joints. So overload is important. It, it should be something you're aiming for, but just be smart about it. Okay, so you might start to back it off a little bit and, and work on an RPE. So how hard out of 10 do I want to be training? And for a lot of people as well, like that's a very broad question. But, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a 9 out of 10, that theoretically means that you literally potentially could get one more rep and that's it. Um, okay, or maybe it's reps in reserve, meaning, you know, at the end of this set, I want to make sure that um, I, I stop with one rep in reserve, meaning that I could do one more or maybe it's two reps in reserve or three in reserve. There's a bunch of different ways to look at it. But the, the more important factor for me in a calorie deficit when it comes to the strength training side of things is retaining size and strength. Okay, so retaining it. Okay, instead of you'll get to a point, particularly with pushing exercises, so once you have less leverage in your body, pushing exercises such as squats, overhead presses, bench presses, they become a lot harder. They correlate a lot more with your body weight compared to um, the weight that you're lifting. So you'll get to a point in time where you just can't overload anymore, and that's okay. But what you should be doing is trying to aim for to at least maintain that size and strength. So still, still lifting heavy, still pushing yourself, still making sure that you are loading up your strength and loading up your central nervous system to the point where you don't like you're not going to lose it because in the end of the day, your body comes down to use it or lose it. And it's a great way to look at it. If you're not using your muscles to uh, applying them to a certain level of strength or, or speed, power, size, whatever, then it won't hold on to it because it doesn't need that strength, size, power, speed. Okay, so use it or lose it. Be careful when you are cutting just to make sure you avoid injury. But um, as I said, a lot of the time, the only thing that really changes between fat loss phases uh, and muscle gaining phases is the calorie intake. The rest of it stays very, very, very similar, okay? Just comes down to energy in versus energy out. Now, the last one here, um, this is this one's a good question. It's kind of got me thinking a bit and, um, yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure how to answer it. But the question is, what is uh, an, uh, an unpopular opinion that – I have, um, and there's a few, I guess. Um, as I said, I, I don't necessarily know how to answer this that well, to be honest. But um, an unpopular opinion uh, for me, I think there's a couple, and this doesn't. The first one doesn't even really relate to you know anything to do with what I do, I guess. But first one is for juniors, so for for kids that are playing sport um, at at a, at a young age. I think it's super important. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me, but I'm sure there's a lot that don't as well. I think it's very important for all type of sporting games, all type of athletics, um, school sport, all that type of stuff. It's really important, in my opinion, that there is always a winner and a loser. Um, and I'll explain why. I think it's. I see a lot now where games aren't even scored. I see uh, where... People are getting trophies and medals and awards and stuff 
for maybe coming last place or for becoming second place or just for, for doing well. And I think there's always a time and a place for things like encouragement awards um, or, you know, I, say in footy, like best club person, all that type of stuff, awards that don't necessarily mean you've won, but uh, they're awarded to you for a certain quality or something like that. I think that's fantastic. But what I'm trying to say is that kids from an early age aren't getting taught how to lose or aren't getting taught how to deal with adversity um, all they ever know is, yeah, you won or, yeah, you competed so you get a trophy and a medal and um, you, you get the same thing as the person that won gets. So down the track, once they get to the point where no one gives a fuck anymore about trying to please <laughs> the kid and and the, and they lose, they don't know how to deal with adversity or they get resentful because they've never had to deal with it before and put up with it and it feels unfair to them. So this is very weird that I even answer this question like this. I don't know why I've, I think I've been thinking about this this week after talking to a client earlier in the week about it, but yeah, I think from an early age, kids need to learn how to lose because I think, as I mentioned earlier, that's probably one of my biggest strengths is when I do lose, when I do get rejected or when I do fail now, I don't give a shit. It, it, it inspires me and motivates me even more to do better. Whereas I think a lot of people shut down when they lose. A lot of people shut down when they get rejected or they fail. And it may just be because they haven't been exposed to it enough to understand that it's a good thing. You know, the more times you fail, uh, in my opinion, the more likely it is that you are going to succeed because you learn how to deal with adversity. You learn how to adapt and change and to adjust and to, to learn from your mistakes or learn from what did and didn't work and continue to move forward. So, Again, very long answer. I think it's super important for kids to, to, to learn how to graciously win and graciously lose and, and how to deal with the win or loss and then what to, to do with that, like what to take from it and, and to move forward, become a better person, to become a better athlete, um, you know, friend, whatever it may be. I think that's exceptionally important. So I'd love to hear your feedback on that last one. Maybe if you, uh, as I said, take a screenshot of today's episode if, if you enjoyed it and share it on your Instagram story and let me know your thoughts um, on the unpopular opinion. And I do like that question. Um, I might put a bit more thought to it and, and maybe answer a couple more of my unpopular opinions in the next episode. Um, but for now, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I really enjoyed that Q&A today. I hope you did as well. Um, I hope you're all having a fantastic day so far. And again, I really do appreciate uh, the fact that that um, you, you've tuned into the show, I fucking love this shit. Um, as I actually think that this may be—I could be wrong, so I don't want to announce it. Hang, hang, bear with me now. I'm gonna log on to my computer while I uh, figure this out myself. But I feel as though this potentially is the 300th episode of the podcast, which is just epic. I mean, going back to talking before about how. I have never really feared failure um, or feared rejection and, and what happens when I lose and, and the adversity side of things. Like I feel, uh, There's people that have been through so much adversity in their life, so I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone like that, but I, I feel like I've been through a lot of adversity to the point now where I don't care. Like I love it. Um, where are we? Yes, 300th episode, I believe. Might have been last week. Anyway. 300 episodes, guys. So this is fucking epic. I started this journey um, back when, what would it have been, maybe 2017 or something like that. Um, I've uploaded an episode every single week since I started, at least one episode a week since I started. I've been consistent. I've been able to network and 
and hang around people that are just incredible humans and and I've learned so much from so many people and I've learned so much about myself I've I've been able to get better at speaking and get better at uh at recording podcasts and and portraying my message in a way that I want to and the way that I can I think you know talking and maybe talking to camera visually and um and like visual and audio for me seems to be the best way I can relay what I'm trying to to say and add value um it's been such a epic enjoyable journey so far so yeah thanks for tuning in Uh, i really do appreciate it um and for anyone who needs some help with their training or nutrition don't ever hesitate to reach out danny at dannykennedyfitness.com i've got some really actually soon in another uh in the next few weeks i'll announce um some really exciting news with my online coaching my online uh, membership platform which is coming um it's going to be so fun i'm really excited about it i can't wait for you guys to to be able to experience it as well and and to be able to help you out uh, if anyone does need any help or needs uh wants to look into my female program my muscle growth program my consulting head to my website dannykennedyfitness.com um, and suss it out yell out if you've got any questions but again guys have a great day i appreciate you um, and i'm looking forward to chatting to you again in the very next episode